Welcome to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. This is Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman Jr. People call me PG, and I'm so honored to lead this amazing ministry that is really trying hard to glorify God. Listen, thank you for tuning in. Matter of fact, go to our website, tbcaugusta.org. You can find out about all the wonderful things that we're trying to accomplish for the kingdom of God at our church. Matter of fact, you can also give through Secure Give, Giveify. We pray that you will partner with us as we once again do all that God calls us to be. Well, let's get into that word and that experience. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. God bless you. But David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. Best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting for me in Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. Go over to 1 Samuel 29, verses 6 to 11. This is the word of God. So Akish finally summoned David and said to him, I swear by the Lord that you have been trustworthy, ally. I think you should go with me into battle, for I've never found a single flaw in you from the day you've arrived until today. But the other Philistine rulers won't hear of it. Please don't upset them, but go back quietly. What have I done to deserve this treatment, David demanded? What have you ever found in your servant that I can't go and fight the enemies of the Lord, the king? But Akish assisted, as far as I'm concerned, you're perfect as an angel of God, but the Philistine commanders are afraid to have you with them in battle. Get up early in the morning, leave with your men as soon as it gets light. So David and his men headed back into the land of the Philistines while the Philistine army went on to Jezreel. Once again, 1 Samuel 27, <clears throat> verse 1 says this, but David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting for me in Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. For the time which is ours, as we continue this sojourn through the study of David, turn to your neighbors and neighbor, what was I thinking? Amen. Lift those hands toward heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to raise that thought today. What was I thinking? Have you ever had some moments when, in retrospect, you think on some decisions that you made, some connections that you had made, some places and opportunities you took advantage of. Now in hindsight and retrospect, the only thing you can really think about that decision is what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> you made some relationship decisions. Have you decided to do something that you knew good and well it was not in your best interest? You knew that it was not ultimately going to work out for your good, but curiosity got the best of you. Something calls you to do something, and honestly, you're just grateful to be in church today. If the person on your pew knew every decision you've made, every place you've been, every person you've been connected to, you would probably be seated on a seat or pew all by yourself. And there's tension with that if we think about it. If we begin to look at life that way, we can suggests that there's sometimes we seemingly put ourselves in compromising positions all simply because in that present moment we thought we had no other choice. In those moments we decided to make decisions because at that present time based on how we were feeling, based on our emotions, based on some type of frustration, we decided to do something we know God would not be proud of. My brothers and sisters, that's what all of us face. That's what all of us oftentimes have to come to grips with. We can suggest and say it was only through the mercy of our master 
that we've survived some bad decisions, that we've done some things. Lord knows that if everyone knew them, and even sometimes you try to act like you didn't do it, but we are grateful that God extended us grace to allow us to go through some things even though it was not God's will for our lives. And that's what happens in our text as we're continuing this sojourn and um, a narrative of David. We've seen all that God has called him to be. He's grown a lot since we've seen him being called from the back of his father's house. He's went through some, some situations, some things that have developed him. We, we see him on this process and his uh, ongoing antagonist by the name of Saul. And what brings us to our text today is interesting because now he's facing what he believes to be a crossroad in his life. David is tired of Saul's oppressiveness towards him. He's tired of having to go and have to look over his shoulder. So guess what David decides to do? He says, I'm going to go join up with the mortal enemies of Israel called the Philistines. I'm going to leave Israel behind. I, I believe it's best if I hide in Philistine territory. And my brothers and sisters, what we get here at the climax and conclusion of chapter 29 is we see that even though David made this decision, if it was not for the Philistines rejecting David, when time came for the Philistines to fight Israel, luckily David was released from his obligation, but it's not because he didn't make the right decision is simply because God looked out for him. And I wonder how many of us, if we look at our lives, have made some David decisions. How many of us have oftentimes decided to connect and take things and, and pursue opportunities because in that moment we perceive them to be the best thing. David thought that the best thing for the future king of Israel is to join their enemies called the Philistines. And I want to submit for us today, my brothers and sisters, uh, is that when we begin to navigate and begin to look at these chapters as we begin to come down to the climax and what will be a, a final lesson for David as he once again is moving towards uh, the kingship of Israel, uh, is that he has to learn that many times moments of discernment uh, have to happen best in moments of distress. God wants to know, can I trust you uh, even when you get frustrated? Can I trust you uh, to maintain your future even when your flesh is trying to take over. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today because I believe that if we look at this in our own lives, as we look at this, not as some window, but as some mirror to our own experiences. All of us will face the temptations when sometimes we'll allow our hurt feelings to hinder our future. Please hear me clearly that you have got to make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing. And in this moment, David was almost getting ready to throw it all away. David was in a precarious situation when he was getting ready to fight his own country by the country of Israel. It could have forfeited every future that God had for David and in just a few moments just when the battle was about to begin God released grace in the life of David I wonder is David the only one in church today that can say you know something about God getting you out of some stuff you couldn't get yourself out of aren't you grateful that even when sometimes we're not mindful of what God wants in our lives, that God will sometimes do whatever God has to do and he will make the plans and the trajectory to take us where he wants us to be. In our text, I want to look at this because I think that if we look at the moves of David as we see him making this plan to join the Philistines, almost losing out on his kingship of Israel, it teaches us some things about how we should make mature decisions and 
and mature moves even in times of distress. And I want to share these for us quickly today, my brothers and sisters. Let me share them with you. But I believe the Lord has lifted out of these two chapters in chapters 27 and chapters 29 to give the narrative and story of David and his sojourn in Philistine territory. Here it is, my brothers and sisters. Let me give you these quickly. I hope that they're helpful and beneficial. The first thing that we notice in this text that I think is very important for us to gather in getting the right mindset in learning how to live a life that God finds pleasing is the first thing we have to do is we always got to check the motives of our decisions. What is it behind the decisions that you make? What's interesting as we come to first chapter, first Samuel chapter 27, it opens with that dialogue that David has where David says, I am tired, watch this, of Saul coming after me. He comes to this point where he believes the best course of action is for him to take him, his wives, and his 600 men into the place of Gath and to become subject under the king of the Philistines. His name is King of Kish. Now this is interesting because this is not the first time that David has tried this. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 21, you'll note that David at that time was so frustrated from what had happened between him and Saul that he was on the run to the same place Gath. But yet in 1 Samuel 21, it didn't work out that well. He was still young. He was still uh, trying to, to peruse forward. He was still trying to, to go ahead and, and he was still early in his maturation. But yet... Here we are in 1 Samuel 27, and the Bible says uh, he decides to once again flirt with something uh, that failed in the past. If I had time, I wish y'all would wake up this morning. I would tell you how many of us have oftentimes didn't understand uh, that perhaps the reason it didn't work the first time was because it wasn't God's will the first time. And how many of us sometimes will try to force something to be manifested and so we'll keep doing it even though we know this is not going to end well for us that's david's gaff the bible tells us certain things about this text to me because it begins to let us understand why where his mindset was in this decision now i submit to you that if you read this you'll know that if you go back a couple of chapters even chapter 26 you'll know that at the time saul has decided not to continue to pursue david in other words, Saul made up his mind. It's not worth me coming after David anymore. So 1 Samuel chapter 27, David has created a situation where he now believes someone is after him when they're really not. His history, his experience, he's in defense mode. And because he's in perpetual defense mode, he feels, even though Saul has made it plain, I'm not going after David, David is still scared because he is now being chased by ghosts. How many of us have our own Saul ghosts that we keep trying to get away from, we keep assuming that it's coming after us when, in essence, it has ceased to continue to come after us. Here in our text, it lets us know that David now creates this scenario where he believes Saul continues to want him even though Saul has ceased his pursuit. A couple things I want to submit to you that I think we can see in this text that gives us some insight and perhaps you can see yourself in the same moment. First of all, David discussed the decision with himself. If you read the Bible, it tells us in 1 Samuel 27 that there was a moment when the discussion and dialogue that David makes this decision as a lone decision. 
doesn't ask anybody else their insight, does not get any other input from anybody else. He decides to have a long conversation with himself, and since he was the only one in the meeting, he decided to go along with what he approved without getting wise counsel. He went in by himself. He didn't, he didn't ask anyone's expert opinion. He did not ask any of his men. He did not even ask his friend Jonathan. He did not ask any of his wives. This was interesting because he makes a long decision, and it was long, and it was wrong. How many of us, honestly, I, I know you're smart, and I know you're intellectual. I know that you've got it all figured out, but sometimes you can suggest that the worst meetings you've ever had was in meetings by yourself. That's why the Bible gives us such great insight when it says uh, there is wisdom in wise counsel, which means I've got to be mindful to make sure that I get the right people in the right situation to give me the right answer for my questions. First thing he did was he talked just to himself. Secondly, notice the doom and gloom that was pervasive in the mindset of David. David says, I'm going to die in Israel. This is interesting because, Big Prince, what makes it interesting is, remember, this is the same David that was anointed by Samuel. Samuel told him, you're going to be the king of Israel. Also, this is the same David who was given that same word by his friend Jonathan. You're going to be the king of Israel. Matter of fact, his wives, Abba, everyone knew it was not, it was a mere amount of time that David would assume the mantleship and the leadership of Israel. But yet, even with that promise over his life, he thought he was going to die. I, I wonder, because then the question is raised for many of us, just as David in this moment, who is a man after God's own heart, he seems to doubt the word of God. And I know you're not going to say it out loud. I know you're not going to say it uh, so your neighbor can hear you. But how many of us from time to time have allowed our present situations to make us forget God's promise in our lives? How many times have we gone through some situations today that made us forget what God has already said? Here in our text, even though David had been anointed that he was going to be the future king because he was so uh, diluted and diffused and dysfunctional based on his encounter with Saul, he forgot that what God said, when God gives you a promise, it'll keep you through every pain, through every proclivity, through every issue in you. I wish I had somebody that could help me preach this message because somebody got to know that you can't die with God's promise over your life. You can't perish with God's word over your life. You can't fail when God said you're going to succeed at some point. What David struggled with is that David was thinking internally instead of remembering what God had already said. He had a long conversation. He said he was going to die even though he had the promise over his life. And here's something else which I think is the number one reason why he made the bad decision. Because when you read chapter 27 and you read chapter 29, there is no mention of God's name. Matter of fact, the only mention of God's name in chapter 29 was not even by David. It was by the Philistine king, Achish, who mentions David's God. Nowhere in chapter 27 or in chapter 29 does David say anything about God. This is intriguing to me. Oh my, what has happened to David since he met Goliath on the battlefield where he says that I'm coming with you with the power of my God. This is the same one who wrote a majority of our Hebrew hymn book. This is the same one who talks about and gives 
Glory to God. This is the same one who says that it was God that helped him not to take revenge against Saul. But in this critical moment, he doesn't talk about God. And I know you saved, and I know you sanctified, and I know you love the Lord. But most of us have some moments where we don't talk to God. I know you come to church. I, I know you're in leadership. I, I know. I know you, you grew up in church and I understand, but let's be real. Can we just be honest for a few moments? There are sometimes we are so distressed that our prayer life suffers and we rarely talk to God. We are so much in pain, so much in peril. I know you want to act like you got it all together in church today, but let's be real from the pulpit to the back door. We can sometimes struggle and sometimes we'll lose our connectivity to God when we're going through something. I wish I had some people that can be real with the preacher today. And that's what David wrestled with because when you're not connected to God, you will always make bad decisions. When you're not in constant communion with God, you'll always fall down flat. I wish I had somebody. I know that's not something you want to make public. And I know that's not something you want people next to you to know. But somebody ought to be real and transparent and submit. A lot of times the issues that happen in your life is not because God pushed you there. It's because you failed to seek continual and consistent communion with God and when you stop speaking to God can I tell you God is not going to impose himself in your life he's not going to force you to talk to him he's not going to tell you well you need to talk to me today at some point child of God if we all be honest we made some bad decisions and we have to take ownership because of our bad decisions it's simply because we didn't stay connected to God and in our text that's what takes place in two chapters. In this perilous period, he didn't talk to God. He was alone. He was in a situation where he thought that the promises of God was not going to work. And he was disconnected from God. Have you ever had those reasons to cause you to make some bad decisions? Have you ever, I mean, let's be honest. First of all, let, let's be real. We've made some bad decisions. And part of the reality is that David did not navigate well and the motives behind his decision was David-centric and not God-centric. And whenever it is about you, you will always make the wrong decision. That's what Robert Shuler had to figure out. He's a great pastor. Gave a story about when he was young and his father decided to cut down a tree for some firewood. It was wintertime. He went outside and he saw the leaves absent from the tree. He saw the twigs breaking easily. So in his mind, this was a dead tree. Cuts it down. But he said to his surprise, in the spring, there was a new tap root that grew up. What he thought was a dead tree was not dead. The tree still had life in it. He pulled his son, Robert, close to him, and he gave him this life lesson. He said, son... If you don't get anything else, remember that I told you this. Never cut trees down in the wintertime. He said, in essence, what I'm trying to tell you is that you can't make decisions during tough moments. You, uh, you've got to understand there's sometimes uh, that you've got to let some things pass through. Please uh, do not make major decisions uh, while you're in a bad mood because if you're in a bad mood, uh, your mood will begin to flower or cover or camouflage uh, your real discernment. I wish I had some real people. Do me a favor. Lean over to somebody and tell them, don't cut trees down uh, in the winter. In other words, you've got to learn uh, how to wait. you got to learn how to be patient. you got to learn how to trust. And you got 
to take inventory of your own self and say, self, you can't make the decision now. Why? Because you're not in the right mindset. That's what that British pastor, Frank Borman, understood. As an older minister came and stayed at this house, Reverend Woods, he wanted to take this opportunity with this old saint there to be able to try to glean some information. He said to him, he said, sir, how do you know that God guides us in our times of perplexity in in our times where we're confused how can we be sure that God will give us sure footing and sure setting that he gives us the right way to go how do I know when I'm following God this is the man's answer and this was simply he said sir God will give you guidance but this is all you got to do you got to learn how to give God time that's the word I want to tell you at some point you can't be so rushed in some moments uh, that you make a di disastrous uh, decision when God says sometimes you need to wait on God he tells us always check the motives of our decisions but there's another layer to this lesson I think is interesting is that we also learn in this sojourn of David and this bad decision is that you don't confuse success with being in God's will. See, the problem with too many of us is we assume that if we're successful, that must mean God's will is being taken through. But David shows us you can be successful and out of God's will. Read 1 Samuel chapter 27, that's what takes place. He gets there, he falls and becomes a vassal to the king Achish. While he's there, he decides, watch this, to start fighting on behalf of the Philistines. Matter of fact, he starts winning some battles. He gets the, the, the privilege and the pride of King Achish, so much so that King Achish gives him a land, a, a place for him and his men to stay, a place called Ziklag. He's winning. He's a warrior. David is good at what he does. So even though he's in the wrong place, he's still winning some battles. Even though he's in Philistine territory, he's still being successful. Ooh, that's going to mess with some of y'all I know. Because it's sure enough mess with me. Because at some point, there have been periods when you can be gifted and in the wrong place. Sometimes, your skill set and what God has placed in you, regardless if you're in the wheel or not, can still be manifested. David was a warrior, and David knew how to fight. Matter of fact, if I had time, if this was part of the sermon, I would tell you that literally he was still fighting on behalf of the Israelites. He was actually fighting the enemies of Judah, but he was lying to the king of Kish and growing in favor and stature to king of Kish. I can make the argument that he's out of the will of God. He's successful, but he's also being deceptive because you can be, you can be successful and deceptive at the wrong at the same time here what we see is that God lets us know that there are some moments you got to be careful because yes you're gifted God has gifted you Bible tells us gifts come without repentance which means he'll let that thing work and you still be wrong he'll let you keep on doing what you do because that's just who you are but still be in the wrong place he'll allow the relationship to produce kids and do other stuff even though you know it's not God's will for your life he'll let you prosper on the job collect the paycheck even though you know that job is not in God's will for your life God will
will allow you to be successful in places even though they're not the places of his will for your life. And I wish I had some real people that can look over life, that can testify that has been a hard thing for you to reconcile because there have been moments you wish God would just let everything stop. He, you, you just wish God would let you fail. But God said, no, I didn't give you the gift. I've given you the talent. I've given you the ability. I'm going to make you be successful. But even though you're successful, don't believe that you're still in my will. Because some of us, we know what it is to continue to make something you know is wrong, try to make it work right. God allows success to happen because God understands success does not equal his will. And just because you are successful at something, you can be successfully wrong. And for most of us, we wrestle with that, man, because we won't. We believe that if I'm successful, that just means God's with it. No, that don't mean that. You can be successful because that's who God has gifted you to be. But success never equals his will because oftentimes you can be in his will and it not work well. Y'all missing what I'm saying? Maybe the text is giving us the idea that we must learn discernment in seasons. Because discernment and success does not mean it's success or failure. It simply means are we being faithful to what we know God has positioned us in his life. He lets us know, always check the motives of our decisions. Don't confuse success with, watch this, God's will. But here's the third thing, and we'll go get ready to move on, is we got to embrace the forced freedom of God's exit strategy. 1 Samuel 29 concludes his narrative in Philistine. And here's what's crazy. When you set up the backdrop of the story, here's what takes place. Philistine is getting ready to fight Israel. Get what I say. Philistines, the mortal enemies of Israel, are now getting ready to fight Israel. But on the side of the Philistines is David and his men. This is going to have long-lasting implications. Can you imagine if the future king of Israel is now fighting against Israel. This potentially could cause a disaster in the line and legacy of David. But when you read 1 Samuel 29, David is gung-ho in fighting for the Philistines against his own people. He is so clouded. He is so, he is so all the way gone. That in this present moment, he's truly forgotten the long-term ramifications. Because as soon as the fight takes place, and if David is on the battlefield against his own people, and this is the battle where Saul loses his life, can you imagine the blowback on David? How can the future king of Israel be fighting against Israel? But he is so ingratiated in this moment, that he's not thinking straight and he's ready to fight for Philistines. But when you read the text, here's what's crazy. Text tells us that Philistine commanders have now decided they don't want David fighting on their side. It's the internal commanders of the Philistine army who go to King Achish and say, look, man, we ain't fighting with him. We done heard the song. Saul done killed his thousand. David done killed his ten thousand. No way. We're not fighting 
against uh, Israel with David. He's going to turn on us. We need you to get him out of here. King Achish then has to go to David. And when you read the text, it tells us he goes to David and he now tells him, look, man, you've been good to me. You have been a perfect man, no flaw to me. But the commanders say they don't want to fight with you. And since according to our government, it's a voting structure, I got outvoted. So this is what I want you to do. I need you, you and your men, to leave early in the morning before the battle starts. And the only reason is because they don't want you on their side. Y'all missed it. I thought I wouldn't have to work hard today. David didn't want to go nowhere. David was settled. He was ready with his 600 men to fight for the Philistine against Israel. But it was the Philistine commanders who made a decision that they were going to reject David because they couldn't trust David fighting on their side. When King Achish goes to him, he says, look, man, I wish you could fight for us. But because they have rejected you, your rejection means you can't fight in this battle. I see why you can't shout. I understand. I'm with you. I'm your man 50 grand. Because anytime we hear rejection, we always put negative connotations to it. Whenever we get rejected from something, we assume that it's a bad thing. But our text gives us that there are some moments God uses rejection for your benefit. That sometimes God would allow some situations and some people to get rid of you even though you didn't want to go nowhere and now in hindsight it was the best thing that if I wish I had time y'all ain't gonna shout over it but I shout over it perhaps if we begin to understand that there is grace in rejection God was going to use the rejection of David to rescue David to purpose David and promote David why because David was not going to get out of it by himself but God had to create a scenario of rejection in order to get David from making a bad decision. And I know this is hard to close a message on, especially for first Sunday, but can I get somebody to shout over every moment you got rejected? Can I get somebody to give God praise for every job that rejected you, every individual that rejected you, and now in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to you. I wish I had some people. That's all I got, because I want you to know that God can have grace in rejection. God can use grace not just to sustain you, not just to save you, but also to help you survive. Somebody knows what I'm preaching about because when you look over your life, you are thankful that God dragged you out of some situations. It's not because you wanted to, but because God in his sovereignty, his mercy, and his grace decided to deliver you when you couldn't deliver yourself. I wish I had time, but somebody ought to thank God that he will sometimes allow rejection to be the best thing that happened to you. Somebody don't believe me. If you don't believe me, I know you may not shout over David, but there's another man that got rejected. Matter of fact, they said he was a stone that the builders rejected. His name is Jesus Christ. And I've come to understand that if you ever been rejected in life, that oftentimes God uses rejection to bless you better. Everyone's standing. I'm done. I'll help develop it. And that's what's crazy about the text is David didn't want to do it. But God created a scenario that forced him to get out of that place. And I know, I know, I know you're not going to say it out loud, but as I 
began to ponder and think through this as God was just wanting me to share this didactically today because I think all of us sometimes face the perils of our own decisions. You took the job and you knew that wasn't God's job for you. You connected with that individual and you knew that was not God's will for you. And here, if you don't shout over anything else, this was shouting me. I'm grateful that I got a God that saves me from me. Okay, I know. I knew y'all couldn't shout over that. I knew. I got it. Because I forgot. 7.15, y'all perfect. I apologize. I'll say this for the later one. But man, that's amazing me, Deacon Brown. Because oftentimes we think about our haters and we talk about our eternal opposition. But many times, your greatest enemy ain't that hate on your job. It, 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 it ain't that foe or foil on, on, at school. No, it ain't that. It ain't that, that family member you don't want to see at the family reunion. That ain't your enemy. Your oftentimes greatest adversary is ourselves. And I know we ain't going to say it out loud, but some stuff we willingly get into. Okay, let me see if I can go on this side, because y'all really acting, y'all acting real bougie on that side. Out of some stuff, honestly, I willingly decided to do. I was in it all the way. I wish I had some people to be honest. And it took God saving us from us. Some of y'all to look back and say, man, Lord, I dodged a bullet on that one. I don't know where I would be today if I, and that's sometimes what life is and many times if we be honest about it I was wrestling because I didn't know what to tag this sermon I was going to call it I almost lost it all over that because honestly in that moment he forgot he was the king and when there is a loss of identity you will make decisions beneath who you are that's why it's imperative and important that you continually remind yourself who you are in God. Because when you remind yourself who you are in God, it go ahead and take some things off the table. When I know who I am, and I know who God has invested and trusted me to be, there's some things that are non-negotiable. That ain't even worth my consideration. Because I know who God wants me to be. As we stand, extend the invitation if there's one today. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. Don't forget, go by our website, tbcaugusta.org, there to see all that we got going on. And also, I thank you in advance for your benevolence and your gift that helps us promote the kingdom of God. Listen, I want to see you come back. Check us out later. Love you much. Take care. Peace.